0: Ho ho ho, and welcome to episode 71 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and we're with the NCP crew. Richard. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Luke. It's Christmas. Now I have a machine gun. Crystal. <laughs> ho ho hola. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this special Christmas episode. We've got a lot for you this ep consider it our Christmas gift to you is us talking into your earbuds. So the exact same gift that we've been giving you all year, we give it to you again, but in triple fold now. That's the NTP style. Uh, we actually, for this episode, we've actually got two dust jackets. We've got a main one on Legend by David Gemmell, uh, because I picked it. And then we also have a special one on a, a very short story by Arthur C. Clarke called The Star, which has a bit of a Christmas theme to it.
1: Bah humbug
0: Without giving anything away Uh, Then we'll cap off the episode with uh, our Peyton and Five Minute Popcorn Junkies But with a, a Christmas theme to it But because we're NCP It's kind of a weird Christmas theme You'll see what I mean when we get to it But up first Dust Jacket
1: Today's Dust Jacket book is Legend by David Gemmell. It's actually, I think, our first fantasy book that we've reviewed.
2: Well, straight out fantasy, straight yeah. out fantasy, and yeah. the Inubis Gates um, sort of crosses between science fiction and fantasy. So, yeah, that's, and, a, good, that's a good point. But, but
0: it, this is our first, this is yeah. first actual out and out fantasy. Yep.
1: Mm. Now, it was written in 1984 mm-hmm. by, as we said, the late.
0: Uh, it was published in 1984. It was written in 1976. Mm. But the story of how we how it gets written is actually should be covered by.
2: I think, Dave in the review. So.
1: Well, I'm going to pass this straight on to Dave because he seems to be the one with all the knowledge here and I can just uh, kick back, relax, take it easy and then take all the credit at the end of this dust jacket. Have some dust
0: jacket eggnog.
1: That's right. Take it away, Dave.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, it was actually, just to clarify, it was actually published in 94, but it was first. It was, it was David Gemmell's uh, first novel. It's his first novel and uh, uh, he originally got the idea for, for the book in 76 when he was being tested for cancer. Um, so it's very heavy in this uh on the symbolism um the story the story itself deals with a advancing horde um who are roughly based on um genghis Khan and his hordes who are attacking a fortress that up until now has been unconquerable um and so the the symbolism there is that uh Gemmell is uh the the fortress and that the arm, the army attacking him are is is the cancer. Um, he eventually uh, was revealed that he uh, that he was actually misdiagnosed and the cancer there was no cancer, um, so he was very very happy about that, and he decided that the book really wasn't all that good um, and sort of shelved it. But then a friend of his uh, read the manuscript and said, "Look, you know, with a bit of cleanup, this could actually really work." And so he worked on it uh, in, in nineteen eighty. He worked on it quite heavily a bit more um, and finished it off, and it was eventually published um, as Legend in nineteen ninety four. The reason I picked the reason I picked this book is because uh, it is one of my favorite fantasy novels, um, and um, I like it for its flaws. It's not a perfect book by any means, uh, but what I enjoy about it is that it's it's probably the best first book that I've read, more so than sort of the classics of fantasy. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a big, big, fan of fantasy, so I've read quite a lot of it. The very first fantasy book I ever read was, um, you know, one of the Shannara books. My eternal shame oh dear god um, no I'm, I'm lucky that didn't turn me off fantasy to, but a bit, a bit I mean to the credit did give credit to Shannara it did eventually lead me on to you know Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and you know all that sort of stuff well that's um, good
1: because sort of Shannara basically just is a badly written version yes, of Lord of the Rings it's yes, so. yes, <laughs> funny actually because
0: yeah, I read Shannara first and then read Lord of the Rings and I was like hey wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the same story but better written what's going on now <laughs> um, although it doesn't have the po- the poetry <laughs> but in, its, in its credit. It doesn't have the got legalist poetry. Is, there is nothing wrong with the oh, poetry. You're awful. free to ignore it. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> which is yeah. what I do. Let's save um, that for when we do Lord of the Rings. And it did, and it did sort of then lead me into uh, my my two favourite fantasy authors, which is a bit controversial, I know. But my two favourite fantasy authors are actually David Eddings and David Gemmell, both named David like that knee noodle think about that um, but that's, it, that's uh, right we'll do that David you know, Eddings, it, it, um, Eddings, we'll, we'll do an Eddings book at some point later on um, Eddings is very much sort of a young adult sort of reader but Gamble I really latched onto because it's just every single book is all, is, is all about you know big men doing uh, amazing feats of strength and violence violence and more violence it was uh, it was a refreshing change <laughs> from sort of the fantasy that I was reading.
1: So, so you were drawn to the testosterone levels <laughs> yeah. of the book, is what you say. It's a man's. I mean, it's, it's a it man's is, book. It, it is a, a written common, for men by men. Yeah, it's
0: a common, it's exactly right. It's a common criticism level against Gamble's books, um, and uh, even he admitted it himself. It's just, and they're all all pretty much the same. <laughs> and,
1: and so you read it while you're
3: having a big bitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you kick back. and You put
1: sp- on some. Australian rules football <laughs> get your Vic bitter
0: kick yeah,
1: back with um, your book and start reading so back to uh, I've read
0: oh you know I've read every single game book he's ever written except for the crime noir mystery thriller thing that he wrote that he, he publishes uh, under a different name because I just can't find a copy anyway um, and uh, I'm not that interested to be honest with you. that was a bit of a flop um, but I read all I read and own all of his fantasy novels um, and like I said in, in the episode when we announced this book They're all good to varying degrees. Some of them are brilliant, um, and some of them are actually quite ordinary.
1: And I I just want to point out here that I can verify uh, David's claim here because I'm looking (laughs) at his bookshelf, and I count no less than 28 David Gemmell books on the (laughs) shelf.
0: (laughs) He's got his own shelf, actually. They're all there. He has his own shelf. So back to legend. Um, Even Gemmell himself has said uh, in an interview that all the flaws you expect in a first novel um, exist in the book. Um, but the writing of Legend was a golden time in his life, and uh, he, he actually thinks that it's it's one of his favourite novels. Even though he thought that he could write it better, he wouldn't want to, and uh, he won't be able to change it even if he wanted to, because he actually now has has passed away, unfortunately. So it's a damn shame and uh, a loss to the writing world. I thought, but um, his legacy continues. Uh, like I said earlier, Legend is uh, the story of. An army attacking a fortress, really, what it really all boils down to. Um, and most importantly, the great hero Druss who gets involved in that. Um, so the army that are attacking are actually called the Nadia, and uh, like I said, they're basically the same as sort of, Genghis Khan. Um, but they're for the first time in history, they've actually been united under a single ruler, um, Ulrich, and uh, 500,000 of them um, are marching on this fortress called Dros Dalnok. Um, and Jostalnok is is basically the gateway to the lands of the Drenai. Jostelnock has has uh, never been defeated, um, and it has it's actually six six walls deep, and uh, no one's ever been able to get through it. But uh, it's looking like, uh, due to the due to the circumstances, it's just um, because the political people tried to get involved and stop Ulrak's attack, not realizing just what sort of person Ulrak was. Um, that. There's not enough people to defend the fortress, and so it's looking more and more like it's uh, it's a failed endeavor from the very start. Before the fight even starts, it's pretty obvious that they're going to lose. Um, so, it's, uh, so in desperation, uh, one of the uh, the, Dra- uh, the generals summons Dross, who is a legend. Um, he's just he's unbelievable. He's basically he's a man upon men. Can I just <laughs>
3: say I I pictured Dross as an older Sean Connery. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll go with that. And yeah. Ulrich, i I had Michael Ironside stuck in my head for some reason. <laughs> Michael Ironside. <laughs> Michael
1: Ironside. <laughs>
0: I actually kind of pick you, Winstone for Druss. I could go with either of those. So mm-hmm. Druss is just is uh, a magnificent creation, and uh, he's right up there for me in um, in terms of just literary people who have come to life, you know, James Bond style. You know what I mean? I mean he's he's, a, he's very real, um, and he's he's uh, he's He's basically like he's like seven foot tall, but he appears even taller. You know, he's, he's built like a tank. And even though at the start, at, at the point of this, at the point of the story, he's actually in his sixties, mm. um, he's still a ridiculously powerful force. Mm. And uh, and but he's but what's more important is not only is he is, is he he's actually not that great a fighter, but he just he basically just you know he uses his giant axe and because he's the only one who can lift it basically and. And uh, basically, just hacks and slashes. And he's—it's common. It's, it's common knowledge. He's not that good in terms of skill, but he's just such a powerful force that you know nothing can stand in his way. And more importantly, he's never been defeated. He's a um, manly man. He's—but that's yeah. But the, the 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 main reason why he's summoned is because of just who he is. So he's actually known around the world, and this is you know pre-industrial age. So this is—it's pretty amazing. But he's actually known to all peoples, and they all have their own sort of different tales about him. So even the Nadir... Respect and revere him, even though he's the enemy, um, as the Death Walker, So he has his own tales. But he's also going
2: through a period of self-doubt as well. You get that that um, that bit at the start where he's raging against the storm. One, he does actually wonder if he can actually, if he's still got what it takes to, a, lead all the armies as he at the army at um, at as he's um, uh, tasked with, but actually to hold his own in battle himself. Yeah, he is old, and he is um, he is old, and he is actually quite fat now. They.
0: But he's determined to go out in glory mm. and not just let death, not let death take him just yeah. on his on his deathbed, mm. you know, in senility and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, he has he has his own character arc mm. um, within, not quite as much as the other characters in the story, but he definitely has his own arc for mm. sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but um, what's more important is is his presence. So like like he's, he's even known to the enemy and respected by the enemy. Um, but no no none more so than the Drenai themselves. So they, mm. they respect and revere him, and his very presence is enough to inspire people to try for greatness, and uh, that's really the only reason is he's there. He's actually not even a very good leader, to be honest with you, but um, he does his best, and uh, he has a lot of help uh, by the other characters. Um, the other character in the story, that the story focuses on, is Regnack Wanderer, who's uh, shortened to Wreck, um, who uh, starts off as a bit of a rogue, and he's actually a coward, He actually runs away from the, from the fight, because he's scared of um, his berserker nature, um, and because he doesn't want to die. But he eventually, through certain turns of events, um, it also uh, leads to greatness. Um, I'm actually not that interested in, in Rex's mm. story, to be honest with you. I, just, I mean, he's not that interesting in the character. He just, his wife, Vera is actually more more interesting. Yeah. And the whole thing that happens to him towards the end, um, it's eh, not that interesting. But it is important to have that sort of character in the story in order to sort of count that balance, because it can't just all be Druss, otherwise you just get bored. Just one more th- final thing on Just before before we move on, is that Just is actually based on um, Gemmel's stepfather. Um, Step- Gemmel had quite a horrible childhood like really really quite bad if you believe if you believe all the stories. I mean not only was he beaten up because he was poor by the other kids but he was beaten up by adults as well. It's like ridiculous. Um, so he wasn't wasn't the, the happiest childhood until his mother you know, remarried Bill and um, he was a very very happy man. So uh, Druss and quite a lot of, other, a lot of characters in um, Gimel's novels are based on Bill, who obviously was a major influence in his life. And if Bill's anything like Druss actually was, my God,
1: you know, <laughs> yes. he what a legend! <laughs> I now picture him like wrestling beers in <laughs> spare time and <laughs> exactly. caper tossing, and you know, unbelievable <laughs> um,
0: So there are there are a bunch of other characters. I mean, as, as a fantasy novel was want to do, there's a whole bunch of other characters. I mean, I won't go too much into all of them. Uh, and I'm very proud that I haven't done any spoilers. Do they win or lose? Who knows. Read it for yourself. But uh, there's some other characters. More importantly, the most important, I suppose, are uh, the 30. who uh, is was a group of 30 warrior priests with um, various psychic powers um, led by an albino uh, called Serbida. Um They're very interesting. Um, I would le- very much love to see them in action, like, you know, on the big screen. You also have a bunch of other characters. Uh, Bowman, who's, you know, basically just a master archer. And um, he's offsider. Uh, CSA you pronounce it any way you want I suppose but it's C-A-E-S-S-A um, she's fascinating and I would actually have liked more of her um, she's actually insane she's just completely <laughs> off her rock
3: I was to say, she's actually the, I found her the most interesting character and awesome. uh, she was the only character in it that sort of kept me reading towards the end so I was kind of disappointed that her story was glossed over
2: yeah wow. I've yeah. actually got to agree with Crystal on that one um, um, mm-hmm. and I think that happens quite a lot one of my big problems is that he stops the action um, frequently to give backstory to the characters. Hmm. And the backstory can be interesting, but I they're going, well, it would, be, would have been good to actually flesh this out throughout, um, uh, throughout, some, throughout the story to give it a bit more texture, if that, make, if that makes sense, instead of just giving us it in one major hit, major hit here,
1: hmm. um,
2: actually flesh it out, create a bit of mystery around the character, like Caesar. Because um, I actually thought her getting a backstory, it was not just glossed over, we got it too late. Yeah, um, mm. it actually should have been given to us
0: a little bit earlier.
3: Yeah, but this is um, like it could have been a whole novel in itself. Mm. Yeah, story.
0: she is awesome. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. With, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, she's. I mean, it's, it's she basically she's introduced and and then she's basically ignored for a good mm. good chunk of and then and then she's back into it and then you get her backstory and then yeah. you, know, you finally. I mean. I yeah, I kind of just—I—I'm I, cool with, with getting her backstory at that point. That's fine, but I just would have liked to have had more of her to sort of lead up to yeah, that backstory. Yeah, it, it's that.
3: funny when she was introduced. i was thinking, oh, that's the typical fantasy female character, <laughs> <laughs> and then I wanted more. <laughs> that's awesome. Um,
0: uh, you also and uh, you also have her, Hogan, um, who is uh, the leader of the cavalry, uh, Oren, who is the um, the person. He's the general they're called uh, the Garn yeah mm. he's actually in charge of um, Drost Delnacht before Druss arrives mm. and he's hopeless he has no idea mm. and, but, but what's, what's fascinating about Iron is that he knows he's hopeless mm. and he's only doing what he's doing that he, in, because he's just he's so trapped and he just he can't he can't leave he can't commit suicide he can't he's hopeless he's just, he knows he's terrible but he's, he can't do anything about it and so then when Druss arrives and essentially takes over he puts up a bit of a fight just to save face, but knows deep down that it's the best thing to do. Mm. And as long as Druss... Ad- I mean, Druss admits that he's going to need all the help he can get to do it because he has—he's no leader. Um, then Oren's perfectly happy to sort of take a step back and just help from the sides. And it's. Um, but then Oren,
2: you know, has has his own thing, his st- own little storyline as well, where yeah. he's actually yeah, because he actually steps up to the plate and. Um, fights and trains with all the men. Yeah. Um, with, he actually Karnak, which he, is... Um, yeah. He actually um, gains a bit more respect, yeah. um, both from Dross and from Dross and the men as well.
0: He has, um, a, he has a nice little arc around, actually. I, I, I quite liked Dorian as a character. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was cool. Um, and uh, Gilad, which is, interestingly enough, I just wanted to mention Gilad because he's, he's one of the volunteers of the, of the army. And at first, when you very first him, he's just a sentry guard. He's really nothing all that important. But through the course of the story eventually becomes a leader of his group and a pretty major fighting fighting force mm. towards the end there if that's and then he's basically he's the example that I wanted to use for why I love Gamel's writing so much is that it's it's very much the like I said at the start the violence 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 <laughs> and you know and you've got you know got mailing men and the heroes and and you know like Crystal said the fantasy women um but he manages to sometimes subtly and sometimes not so subtly, sort of insert some interesting backstory in them and make you actually care for them, even if they are generally considered to be very minor characters. And uh, Gilad is one of those. It's
3: interesting you say that, because I actually had trouble telling some of the minor characters mm. apart. Oh, well, there Didn't you go. Think I think they were very well fleshed no,
2: uh, out. I actually think this is a very flawed book, and for me the flaws actually
0: outweigh the positives. Oh, okay, cool. Well, 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 let's, well let's get into the... Gen- <laughs> that's, that's, that's it enough for me. Let's get into the generalization then.
3: I, overall, I I didn't mind the book. It was pretty much a, it's pretty much the same as any other fantasy novel I've ever read. You know, they have to defeat the army, find thing, do the quest, bit of magic at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and I do, there's the fantasy <laughs> genre yeah, summed up, summed up in <laughs> nice and neatly three seconds. Mm. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Um, but the only reason I kept reading was for the podcast. <laughs>
2: Look, I, I agree with a lot of what Crystal said there. It's not a terrible book, but <laughs> the strength is I didn't hate it, so um, it's not awful. A couple of things I had the problem with. First of all, I can see the joins. Um, I can see all the in, a lot of the influences on him. Like, um, yes, you mentioned that you know his stepdad um, is a big influence on Drus, but also so is Conan, yeah, and a, I think a major so. influence on. To, but the problem is Conan is. A fascinating character, whereas Dross is cool. If that makes sense, and I oh, oh, don't get me wrong, I got you. Don't get me wrong. I like Dross, and without Dross, there is nothing. And that's another problem I've got. Without Dross, there is no book. Because hmm. um, the other characters, particularly Wreck, I actually got really annoyed when we kept cutting away to Wreck, because early on, Rex just sort of wandering around with um, Vire, and it sort of it it feels very aimless. Hmm. Um, whereas the Dross stuff. Um, we at least get uh, some character motivation, something that's going on in his head, um, plus purpose for what he's doing. Hmm. And it at least keeps the narrative going on at a very steady momentum. It, I think this starts very slow. But, you know, things actually... Y- there is a reason for what he's doing there. They do try to build it up through the drug storyline. But Wreck himself actually just sort of wanders around and, like I said, a bit, a bit aimless... And that led to my. Well, his
0: name is The Wanderer. have
2: well, never seen but. In, but there but
1: was the, the, the story sort of wanders. Yeah, I know, we just. The writing wanders at that point.
2: Um, I just don't think Wreck's all that interesting. The cowardice yeah, I thing, I, yeah. I kept getting told that he was a coward. But he never actually just, see any of it. He kept <laughs> getting into fights <laughs> and not backing away from yeah. it. Yeah.
3: yeah. I just slightly disagree there. I didn't mind Rex as a character. I sort of saw Rex as a younger reflection of Drus. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. and, Interesting. And, and I didn't, I didn't mind his story of sort of self-discovery and, um, you know, how how he ends up at the end. It's it's.
2: But that, that a lot of that happens, um, once he gets to um, Drosdelnok, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff at the start is just them him sort of wandering, you know, being the wanderer and just, mm-hmm. it like I said, feels a bit aimless. I, that,
3: I like the stuff on the boat.
2: Stuff on the boat's okay I've with um I found, found it
3: interesting. It was always night time on the boat. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I do like the the wreck and Voree var- relationship. relationship. Yeah, it
2: is, it is excellent. Yeah. Um, but the other big problem I had was the sudden, the real dramatic shift in characters, without without trying to give away what happens. Mm. Going from one character we've actually followed pretty strongly all throughout, and then actually ending the book. With the actions of another character, I understand what the, what the what the point of that moment is trying to be. You know, the inspiration and this is the inspiration's effect. But his story ends far too early, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I actually kind of agree with you. So can you try and yeah, oh, like I'm trying to say without spoiling. Um, yeah, okay, and because I'll, I'll, I actually kind of agree.
2: In that one of the char- in that the characters who the of the two characters who we've been following, one we've actually been following. Um, more closely because of his involvement directly in what's going on at Drostelnock. At, um, Drost yeah. Um, whereas the other character coming in from the sidelines, effectively. Uh huh. Um, and coming not once we've been following from the start, he comes into the fight l- rather late in the game. Yeah. And given that one of the um, the first character I talk about his story actually ends not abruptly, but it ends um, a good too early. You it, too early. It ends. It ends too early. Um, and then you get—it's not quite a coda. It's meant to be, you know, the effect this character has had on the others and the, the inspiration that he's had. But it takes too long to get from where that character's story ends to where the actual story
0: ends. Um, I agree. But
3: it doesn't exactly end.
0: Yeah, I guess. I'm actually not a big fan of the end. I'll be yeah. honest with you. Um, I mean, what? I mean, the thing that you're talking about—I know what you're talking about—and mm. and it had to happen. Yeah. Um, but it does happen too soon. I agree. Mm. It's actually—it's the And that's when magic kind of takes over. So up until this point, this could almost be an historical battle, right? Except for the 30 and their stuff. Mm. Mm. And um, the shaman Mm. from... And And then then after that, it's just very heavily magic. Mm. And it's like, why did this need to happen? This didn't need to happen. Mm. Um, I'm I'm with you there. I actually had a... The way
2: I thought it was going to end was it was going to end a a
0: little bit more like El Cid. Yeah.
2: Which would have actually tied the stories together a lot more closely, I would have thought. Um, and I was actually a little bit disappointed because that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, but the story not ending the way you you wished it ending mm-hmm. is not a flaw of the book. It's not a flaw of the it's not a flaw
2: of the book. But let, let me put it this way: I've actually come up with something that the um, the imagine the imagination in that ending just wasn't there. It Just it devolved yeah. into a fight scene yeah. with a bit of magic thrown in. But being disappointed yeah, quite a lot of magic thrown in. Yeah.
3: Being disappointed in the ending also uh, indicates that it eventually did get involved in the book. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: I got involved to a a certain degree, but not enough for me to actually be fully invested in it.
3: I quite like the epilogue. I won't say what was in it,
1: but I just like that there was an epilogue. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. All right, well, let's have some final thoughts, everybody. And ratings, because we love ratings. Let's start with Crystal.
3: Actually, right until this second, I hadn't thought about a rating. (laughs)
0: Uh, It doesn't deserve a rating.
3: I'll give this a, I'll give this a three. It, it's not something that I'm ever going to pick up and read again, but it wasn't something that I felt was terrible either. It was just, it was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, I did like the character of Drassi. He, he grew on me as the book progressed. And but as I say, I also liked Rick and I liked Bray and I liked whatever her name was. That no one seems to know how to pronounce. Cesar.
1: I'll go with Sessa. Sessa. Mm. I would have said Cesar, so, but that's just me. I yeah. was saying say,
3: Cap- oh, uh, either way. I was saying Cassio in my head, but... Yeah. Um, it could be either, let's face it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pity Gettle's gone, because we could have said, please write a novel about her story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Does he write a novel about her story? No. Nah. Nah. I don't yeah.
0: think she needs
1: a whole novel.
3: 28,000 <laughs> books and he <you> could... <laughs> 28,000.
2: Yeah, I pretty much agree a lot with what Crystal says. Fantasy not, um, is notorious for um, its... Lack of originality, I guess, for one of a better um, one of a better word. It does use its tropes over and over again, and this doesn't quite escape that to make it particularly um, fresh. Mm. Um, like I said, it's but it's not you know a terrible read, and I didn't regret reading it. But it's not enough to make me rave about it or even go and check out the rest of his stuff. I give it two and a half looks.
3: Can I just add in? I, I like, even though I know there's other. Novels in the same universe. I liked that this sort of is a self-contained one, and it doesn't—you don't have mm. to immediately go and read six other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's not the first of a six
3: hundred
0: part series. <laughs> there is always about, I mean, there is yeah. there is more in, in the what's called the Drenai Saga, where yeah. it actually has. So some you can go
3: if you, if you But it's if, a standalone. If you your toes yeah. wet and you want more, there is more yeah. out there, but you don't have to. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, my biggest problem with this book isn't necessarily the book itself. I'm just not a fantasy reader. Um I find that too too many of the fantasy books are drawing really from one of two sources Lord of the Rings or Conan. And in this book it's actually kind of a bit of both. Look, Dr- Druss is a good character in that Conan mold and I do I must admit the the man in me loves those manly characters. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have a man in you? I do have a man in me, but um Does I must admit a woman I mean, in you as well. What I, what I think it's um it, what I think is really interesting with Druss is actually the legend that's built up around the character. I think is really fascinating. But um, but having said that, I actually didn't finish reading the book because I, I I must admit, with all of the distractions away into backstories of characters that didn't really appeal to me all that much, I, I, I found myself getting quite bored with the book. And like I said, that's that's not necessarily um, Gemmel's writing per se. It's a problem I have with a lot of fantasy novels. Yeah, I must admit, had I gotten towards the end where I might have actually gotten whatever we're calling her now, Cassie, because uh, so, so. I might have gotten her story because she was probably the most interesting character in it. <laughs> so maybe if I'd gotten her backstory, I might have, I might have stuck with it a bit more. But um, look, I'll give it, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a terrible book or anything, but it really didn't hold my attention. So I'll give it a two. Cool.
0: I'm glad we read it, I'm, I'm glad we, we did, uh, I'm, I'm a fantasy fan, so I'm glad we, we chucked a fantasy book in there amongst all the, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love science fiction, and we'll be getting back to science fiction on the next in the next book, which we'll announce in a, in a couple of seconds, um, but uh, I, I wanted to get some fantasy in there, and I thought this would be a good starting point, because let's face it, the perfect starting point would be Lord of the Rings, but. I'm never reading that book again. And, <laughs> and a series of books. Again. I read it
3: five and a half times. I don't have
0: to read it again. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. So I just. I just thought this would be a good, you know, bite-sized, you know, yeah. entry to the series. And it's not even my favorite David Gamble book, to be honest with you. Actually, I mean, I, as much as I, I enjoy it, I do admit its flaws. Um, and I don't agree with everything that's been said, but I, I can see everything that has been said. And um, uh, my favorite Gamble books are actually the Troy series. So there you go. Um, I didn't want to do that because it was three books.
1: Yeah, yeah I do appreciate. <laughs> I, the word. I do appreciate the fact that you did choose a standalone book. Yeah. <laughs> they're rare to find in fantasy. They are. It was. It was.
0: It was hard to figure out what to do. But I do, like I said, I do want to do a David Eames book at some point. But it's going to be hard because they're all in series of five and three. So we'll. I don't want to cross mm. that bridge when we get to it. Um, it's not the best fantasy book of all time, but it is definitely one of my favourites, and I gave it four looks. Awesome. Okay. That was Legend. Let us know whether you agree or disagree. I very much enjoyed that. I uh, thank everybody for for uh, letting me do a fantasy book. It was good. <laughs> had to kick and scream, but in the end, I got it. Um, and uh, like I said, our next uh, Dust Jacket is a science fiction book. Uh, not only is it a science fiction book, it's basically the grandfather of science fiction books. And it's Luke's pick, mm-hmm. Dune. Yep. Obviously, you'll find our next book a lot more enjoyable. Mm. We have to get to it eventually anyway. <laughs> yeah, we have to do it eventually. I tried to resist it. It's been seventy odd episodes.
1: Resistance <laughs> is futile. <laughs> Look, it is on the uh, sci-fi list. You know, top one hundred science fiction novels of all time. It is number two. <laughs> yeah. And we did the number one book, which was Ender's Game. So I think it's only fair that we get to the number two book as well.
2: And you know, David, it is a fair trade. You do a fantasy book, which is the greatest <laughs> science fiction novel ever written. So, as Luke's ran here, No, already. But
0: that that's, that. But that's his reputation. That's his um, reputation. Yeah. It's
3: doing right. subtitle
1: Luke's Revenge.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting. It's, it's pretty big, so obviously I'm going to start reading as soon as we finish recording this episode. And you may have it finished by
1: the time <laughs> we get to the end. Remember you only need to read the first book, not I have I have read it before. You don't need to read the Kevin J. Anderson books. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Coming what up next, it?
0: Popcorn Junkies Christmas Edition. Uh, So like I said at the start, this is uh, the NCP style of uh, Christmas-themed movies. Uh, First up, we've got Richo and Gremlins.
1: Well, I've chosen that classic, family-friendly, happy-go-lucky Christmas movie, Gremlins. (laughs) Gremlins is a film from 1984, directed by horror master Joe Dante, uh, written by Chris Columbus, um, executive produced by... Steven Spielberg who I think was executive producing every movie made at that point in time. Yeah, no doubt <laughs> man they just slapped his name on anything they yeah, could <laughs> it stars uh, Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates look let's face facts everybody's seen this film it's about a guy who gets a little fuzzy thing called a mugway as a present from his dad his dad picks it up in a kind of cool but slightly interesting um, store in Chinatown and uh the little mugwai comes with three rules, which um, Zach proceeds to break every single one of them, <laughs> resulting in the first of all in the creation of a series of other mugwai, who then, when you know, they eat after midnight, um, transform into gremlins and pretty much go on a rampage through the town during Christmas, because you know this is a Christmas theme show. So all of this is happening around Christmas time. Now, I have to admit, I've always loved this film. I first saw it uh, when I was 10 years old at the cinemas. And um, it's... Look, it's not a brilliant movie or anything, but it's a lot of fun. It has, uh, you know, some good comedic moments. It has some uh, actually genuinely creepy and you know, quite scary and probably not really for 10-year-olds kind of moments in it as well. Yeah, but just just generally, it's just one of those movies that... um you know, scarily enough always reminds me of Christmas when, <laughs> when Christmas rolls around I always think yeah, I should watch Gremlins again it's major Christmas
0: component but like like Richard said it, it all happens during Christmas day but um, it's major Christmas component is uh, Phoebe's speech um, about her father um, and that's definitely one of the moments like he said yeah. it's not for kids yeah. it's actually quite horrific yeah. um, and just the way she delivers it it's probably the best performance ever mm. yeah. um,
1: and and uh, it, it is a really it, quite a powerful scene. It is and, very uh, powerful, and it's, it's right in the middle of <laughs> oh yeah. It's and they action, set it up, and then, there's, and then yeah. there's more action. Well, it's 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 one of those moments in that films really don't do enough of these days. When you need a lull in the action, you have a scene, but you know, a, a quiet scene. But that scene should be informing you about the characters and helping to progress the story. And um, this this one, it's it's built up quite nicely because the the whole sort of point is around why Phoebe Cates doesn't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And you learn that throughout the film, that she doesn't she doesn't celebrate Christmas. And this is the moment where you find out why, and it's quite a sort of poignant and moving moment in the movie.
0: So any other film would, at that point would have had a love scene. Yeah. So it would have been, you know, Zach and, yeah. and Phoebe said, so it's like, oh, I love you, I love you too, and, yeah. you know, we never why do we never say these things? Yeah. But instead you get this speech, and it's like, what just <laughs> happened? It's <laughs> crazy. but It's brilliant it's stuff. Yeah. I love romance.
1: But it has that... Um, that I guess subversion of the small town. Yeah. <laughs> sort of I guess subversion of the small town mystique, you know, yeah. the small town mystique of that lovely community that all is all brought together and and in this they then introduce something other into that mm. that effectively uh, proceeds to destroy the town mm. but also helps reveal certain things about the nature of the of the town as well which I think is interesting.
2: And let's not forget, you know, all the best moments Involve the gremlins,
1: absolutely. Yeah, for
0: instance, them singing "Heyo, ho that's great stuff.
1: Yeah, it's okay. the moments like that though. Is, it gets back to that point I made earlier. They're moments that are kind of funny, but also kind of disturbing as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, the
0: the cross dressing gremlin is the one that disturbs me the most, <laughs> and the flasher one.
1: Like the kind one, of, like she's yeah. at the bar and,
0: and the gremlin flashes her. And it's, it's
1: like you've got nothing to flash. What's yeah. going on here? But it's kind of like it's almost like he's taken. Um, they've taken scenes from ET and just made them really disturbing because obviously ET has a cross-dressing moment as well. But this is this is kind of like evil ET. Look, <laughs> like I said, it's not the greatest film or anything, but I do absolutely love watching this movie, and I give it three and a half. Just probably not trying to bring up the fact that it's always after midnight somewhere. Yes. <laughs>
0: That's, that is exactly
1: right. I hate these bloody rules, especially the after midnight, because it's just not possible. Well, no, I would, I, I would say that it's um, dependent upon where they are. Uh, in uh, the yeah, in, in your time zone. So. I mean,
0: yeah, we've been that. I don't like yeah. it.
1: Yeah,
0: Move it on. <laughs> I, I, Look, I
1: accept <laughs> it, despite its.
0: But it's still so after midnight. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. even in your time zone, after midnight,
1: yeah. Is daylight time, savings time. Okay, okay. What does that mean? If you want to apply to that to win, if you, if you want to, if you want to apply that to uh, the other rules as well, what happens when it rains on a Crome lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the mess that's going to cause? <laughs> oh gee. Okay. So
0: thanks, thanks for that, Richard. Next up, we've got Luke with Die Hard. Mm.
2: Now I could have chosen many number of classic films. Things like. Um, A Muppet Christmas Carol (laughs) But I decided to go with A classic of the Christmas genre Which is that all-encompassing Family-friendly film Die Hard (laughs) Um, Released in 1987 And um, directed by John McTiernan Die Hard is the story of John McClane Played by Bruce Willis Who is going to Is is, um, reuniting with his um, Wife uh, Wife played by Bonnie Bedalia Who works for the Nakatomi Nakatomi Industries in Los Angeles John McLean is, in fact, a New York police officer. Um, hijinks ensue when, you know, a bunch of Germans decide that they have to get in on the party as well, get in on the party as well um, and bring their own firecrackers and, and the like, um, causing John McLean to basically flee for his life like the coward that he
0: is. <laughs> um, Come on, he had to make a decision and that was the decision, it was the right decision to
2: make. And then, you know, decide to take down the entire terrorist organisation by himself. Um, with support from Reginald Vell Johnson. and with no um, shoes on. with no sh- And no shoes.
1: That's true, uh, he has no shoes.
2: Um, in all fairness, though, the, it, it, this is actually one of my favourite films of all time. It, it's my it, second favourite film of all time. It is a classic of the genre, um, and unlike a lot of the... Mu- it, it's been copied to death previously. Its impact cannot be overstated. Um, but unlike a lot of the muscle-bound, um, pumped-up 80s action films... Um, we had here a hero who was, um, quite flawed, not, you know, not, not a guy who, was, the, the, the girl who was going to get it at the end was his estranged wife. Um, so there, it wasn't going to be some buxom blonde who, he was going to woo or anything like that. Um, and he's also quite vulnerable, you know, he's not, uh, he's, he's, he's a tough he's... guy, but he's not, um, in, he's not, um, invincible. And, you know, he's constantly being beaten and um, shot at. and
1: Let's face facts, he could barely stand by the end of the film. He's but just he's, but a that's, mess. But that's
2: part of the problem. And unfortunately, that's become a bit of a... Even that has become a bit of a joke in the later Die Hard films. You know, John mm-hmm. McClane is always the last man saying he's going to lose buckets of blood. But here it works because he's, um, you know...
3: He's doing what he has to do. He's doing what he has to do, but he's, but
2: he's ordinary. There's nothing particularly yeah. special about him. Um, but there are, there are some other interesting things... The um the relationship he had the antagonism he has with Hans Gruber played by um, Alan Rickman and Alan Rickman almost single-handedly created one of the greatest screen villains of all time. Yep. Um, I think. Um,
3: certainly the most imitated.
1: Yeah, very much. Some of the most imitated. Suddenly, um, every action movie had to have a British-accented yep. bad guy um, with a
2: you know a script by Steven De Souza. Um, it actually was, and it was interesting because it was actually a funny action film, as opposed to the really try-hard, um, mm. dry, witty double entendres that, say, the Arnold Schwarzenegger or versus Sloan films had, this was actually quite funny. Mm. Um, uh, but also the relationship he has with Virginal Vell Johnson, um, a police officer who is stationed outside Nakatomi trying to keep an eye on things, and but also trying to protect um, John McClane not just from, you know... Possible incursion by the terrorists, but also from his own bosses and the FBI when they show up as well. Um, there, so for an action film, there's actually quite a lot of layers to it, and um, it does pause the. You know, when it does take nice breathers um, to let McClane as a character come to life a bit more. You know, he's not just run, wandering around shooting people. He actually, you know, they actually do try and establish him as a character as well. So yeah, I big fan of this film. I give it four and a half looks.
3: I'm feeling the carpet with my toes as he speaks.
2: Hmm. Agent Johnson
0: special and see, Agent and, Johnson and, and that, that,
2: that's one of that, that's one of its powers there's a lot of stuff that people can actually latch onto. you know mm. there's a lot of huma- there's actually a lot of humanity to it hmm. you yeah. know they established right from the outset he's one of us
0: hmm. well look, very very cool uh, next up we've got the lovely crystal we've, it's a wonderful life
3: and it's, it's just the regular it's a wonderful life too it's not the you know it's Going by the theme we've had so far, it's not some creepy, weird version. It's, just, <laughs> it's a proper Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I chose this because this is probably my all-time favourite Christmas movie ever. And I've seen a lot of Christmas movies in my time.
0: Well, of- it's not the Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> or Santa Claus the movie? Uh,
1: not <laughs> or even, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? Not even See any- that, Or that, <laughs> Claus,
2: the Santa Claus with the really creepy hands? <laughs>
1: not even the Muppet movie <laughs>
3: Yeah. I just, I, well, I think the reason why I love this the most is because it's got my all time favourite actor in it, James Stewart, who plays George Bailey, who's a young small town American guy, not Australian cricketer, George Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> in other
2: words, this guy's called, cool, as opposed to cricketer, George Bailey. Yeah. Well, I don't know what, but he's a cricketer, so <laughs> no, I I have he is. I've got, so I automatically go, no, I don't you know.
0: You mentioned the the sport, the three boys in the room are like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I used to be a big cricket fan, but not so much these days. But I do keep hearing this name on the radio. I'm thinking, oh, every time an angel, every time a bell rings.
0: <laughs> every <laughs> time he gets a four, <laughs> the angel gets a
3: win. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's good. So George Bailey uh, starts out a young, young man in um, Bedford Falls. That's the one. Bedford Falls, the son of a banker. Uh, his big dream is to go off and tour the world and see the great sights of well have lots of adventures. But life intervenes and he finds himself weighed down by responsibility, um, ends up married with children and looking after his father's bank and and everything comes to a head and, and I I don't know if I should say too much about what happens. I mean, it's a really old movie. It's probably been replayed every Christmas since yes. most television has. <laughs> has been around. So the American
2: sitcoms keep making yeah. fun of it for that so
3: reason.
0: I, we'll call spoiler alert.
3: George gets himself to a point well, with the um, help of with the evil old man in the town, Mr. Potter. And he gets to a point where it, it, there's $8,000 missing from the bank and everything's going to come crashing down he's going to lose his business he's going to go to jail it's all happening and he thinks the world would be better off without him and um, this is where the the angels intervene and Clarence comes down and shows him what life would be like without him and how his brother would never have survived and uh, people in the township would be living in potter's crummy old houses and George decides that um He wants to live again. I want to live again. Take me back. Take me back. I want to live again. And and, and, then gets back to the bridge and yells with Clarence, I want to live again. Clarence comes back and um, everything goes back to normal. Um, George realizes it's back to normal when Bert, the other half of Bert and Ernie, the policeman, comes up and asks him what's going on. He going, you know me, you know me. And then you got the famous scene of George running down the street and going, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Which is actually to
0: tie it into Richo's, which is in Gremlins. It most certainly, in fact, it's
1: the mum's favourite uh, movie and they are actually watching it for the very reason that it is shown every year at Christmas time.
3: Merry Christmas. Um... And then you've got the lovely, heartwarming scene at the end, where the whole town comes together to save George, and mm. uh, we all get a bit misty-eyed.
0: Mm. I got misty-eyed. Uh, we watched it last night. I'm not ashamed to say it. I think
3: got what, I, what I love about this film—it's got the old-style, good, old-fashioned storytelling. It's a lot of heavy-handed, sort of sugar-coated stuff in it's, your face, it's but, a Frank but Capra it's, it's, it's a, film. It's a it's Frank Capra film. That's it, what he does. It's enjoyable stuff, and, and I, I just love a good mm. old silver-screen film. Mm. And I give this uh, four and a half
1: looks. I gotta back you up on this one. This is one of my favorite movies as well. Um, It is just awesome. It is, for me, the ultimate happy Christmas movie and it does have the very nice uh, twilight zone moment with the angels where they turn the ultimate it's actually
0: um, it's an alternate reality film yeah. which is there's a really nice. good uh, there's a really
3: good fry and Laurier sketch based on this but mm-hmm. instead of george bailey it's Rupert Murdoch <laughs> <laughs> and they, they twist it and they actually don't <laughs> they well with Rupert mm-hmm. Murdoch it? <laughs> I think
2: it's, it's also an interesting twist on um a christmas carol yeah, yeah.
3: and james Stewart does a wonderful job mm-hmm. of it when he's in despair he's a horrible person to be around
1: he's not a very nice man at all I think uh, credit also has to be given to Lionel Barrymore as Mr. Potter for just being just so ruthless and nasty and and quite quite brutal and, and, and takes so much glee in you know um, in, in the pain and hardship that other people suffer. And that's
3: my, da- that's my one downside of the story, is that potter gets to keep some money. In the yeah. <laughs> but yeah. da- also a uh, special mention to Donna Reed, who does a lovely yeah. job as Mary. She's
1: and, awesome. And to Henry Travers, who plays Clarence the Angel, who uh, adds some very nice uh, comedic moments to the film, yeah. but also a really good sense of gravitas when it comes to the serious nature of what, uh, uh, of what Jimmy Stewart's character is going through.
0: It is a classic for a reason yep. and uh, deserves to be watched by everybody.
1: Cool. Thank you, Crystal. Very you're nice. You're
0: welcome. Okay, so next up, we, so we'll finish up with myself with the classic of all Christmas movies. I mean, really, if you haven't seen this, something's wrong.
3: 32nd Street.
0: Silent Night, Deadly Night. <coughs> all right. Not to be confused with Silent Night, Bloody Night. I must point that out. Yeah, don't or get your Silent Deadlights.
1: Night... <laughs> yeah.
0: If you're going to do the Silent Night, you've got you got to do them right.
1: Yeah, don't don't get your uh, Killer Santa Clauses mixed up, because there's a few of them.
0: So Silent Night, Deadlights is a 1984 American slasher film directed by Charles E. Salyer Jr. I don't know if he went on to do anything else, but yeah. <laughs> this is his, his magnum opus. <laughs>
1: Man, that's sad.
0: <laughs> it, uh, it stars Robert Brian Wilson, which is interesting, because what's the name of the guy that writes all those conspiracy books? Robert Anton Wilson. Oh, there you go. It's quite some... Well, Brian
1: um, Wilson is the, from the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys, so yeah. So maybe that's where he got it's his middle name. Maybe. Um,
0: and a bunch of other people who, really, let's face it, who cares? <laughs> that's, really, that's not really scream queens. The basic, basic storyline is that uh, a young boy, Billy Chapman, uh, witnesses his parents uh, get killed on Christmas Eve 1971 by a, a serial killer dressed as Santa with an axe. And of course, as is wont to happen, <laughs> this traumatises him so much that eventually when he grows up, plus he goes to a, a, I don't know if it's some sort of anti-religious thing, but he goes to a Catholic uh, boarding school, which doesn't treat him all that nice, um, and then eventually he grows up and he becomes a killer himself, and so he returns to nap revenge. It sounds so heartwarming. <laughs> it is. It's, there's, there's actually, surprisingly enough, there's actually a little bit more depth to it that I, that I won't go into. I, it's kind of weird. I think I think that, and that's, I think that's one of the one, one of the reasons why I actually enjoy it. Not only just because of the ridiculousness of having the you know the serial killer dressed as Santa um, with a giant axe, which is pretty, which is cool enough, I don't know, but which uh, they then uh, use again in American Horror Story season two, uh, which has the serial killer you know, dressed as Santa, which is pretty cool, um, played by Ian McShane. Oh, rad! <laughs> um, someone now want to see American Horror Story season two? It's, it's pretty cool. It's my favorite season. But anyway, back to uh, silent Night, I do like- so yeah so uh, Billy comes back and just starts killing it's seemingly at random but um, there's, there is a bit of depth in, in terms of um, what creates killers and it, try, it tries to be, have a little bit of psychology to it but in the end it does just very basically generate into a slasher film my quick thing is why call it Silent like Night why not just call it Christmas it sounds like Halloween just <laughs> on a different holiday yeah I mean it does have some cool moments with you know with Billy screaming you know you've been naughty and stuff like that which is you know it, it had to happen really it wouldn't be the same film without it um, so it's uh, it's a classic of horror it actually caused quite a lot of controversy when it was uh, released because it was released during the holiday season in 1984 yes, it was. which is hilarious I didn't see it then um, but yeah I didn't see it until until I was in my teens and uh, have loved it ever since um it does have an unrated cut as well, which I highly recommend because it's got a very cool uh, death scene in it, which I won't spoil. But uh, it's become a bit of a cult classic. It's had multiple sequels. One of them, Part Two, is actually just
1: 45% of Part, part One, one yep. recut <laughs> with extra stuff. There's at least there's at least five Silent Night Deadly Night <laughs> films according to IMDb. Yeah, it's
0: uh, <laughs> it's pretty full on. But so I, I recommend you skip it. Skip all the sequels. Just see the original. It's not a good film, <laughs> but I enjoy watching it, and it's Christmas-themed, so I
1: give it uh, two looks. I think I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, you're not missing much. <laughs> However, Silent Night Deadly Night Part 5, on the other hand, now that's a masterpiece. Um, it is a cool title, though. It, is, give a, it,
0: that it is a cool movie. It actually it even got a remake. Is it just called Silent Night, which is...
1: Uh, which stars Malcolm McDowell.
0: Yeah, it's not good. So, coming up next, coming soon... In cinemas, Boxing Day, which is the biggest cinema release day of the year. Mm-hmm. Followed very closely by the first week of December for some strange reason in America. I don't know why that is, but anyway. Uh, so Boxing Day, December 26th, we get The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. All right. Yay. Yeah, looking forward to that, actually. I'm in love with this film already. I've only seen the trailer and I'm already like, yeah. I must see it? this film. Have you seen the original? Yes, I've seen the original as well. Cool. The original? Also a classic. Danny Kaye. Hmm. Which automatically makes it good. Any Denny Kaye performance, good. You know, despite the surroundings. The pellet with the poison, the vessel with the pestle, but the Charles from the palace holds the brew that is true. Exactly Exactly right. Right. Uh, We also get Frozen, which is Disney's latest effort, which has got some pretty amazing reviews. So yeah, a lot um, of people are raving about that. one. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um, And continuing the Disney theme, we've also got Saving Mister Banks, which is about the author of Mary Poppins and her interactions with with uh, Walt Disney when they were making the Mary Poppins film. Also got. Great rave reviews. So, I don't know, that's another one. Uh, we also get Philomena, which is about a lady who is trying to track down her lost child. A uh, bit, bit downbeat for a Christmas film, but anyway. And uh, last but certainly not least, we also get The Hobbit, Part Two: The Desolation of Smaug. Or Smog. Or whatever. Smog. Which we Smog. can hear, we can
2: hear. Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, completely yeah. dominate the scenes, even though his voice is the only thing that's present.
0: It's um, you know. I'm not that excited so I'll be honest with it but we'll, we'll be seeing it gold we class we will
3: be seeing we will
0: be seeing it to finish up uh, don't forget you can contact us com. ho 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 <laughs> Don't, put, don't type the ho-ho-ho bit in, because you won't get there. <laughs> You'll just get a machine gun you like, it's something you don't want to carry
3: to.
0: Uh, you can also contact us on email, feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. Um, send any feedback. We love it. Love feedback. You can also check us out on Facebook and leave a comment
3: at... www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast.
0: And you can also contact us on Twitter. Bah humbug. I'm oh, sorry, I mean at CultureCast. <laughs> And uh, if you want, you can even call us on Skype at Ner- at, with a profile named Nerd Culture Podcast. So give us a call. I get lonely at night.
1: Don't be alone. Pick <laughs> up the phone. Call <laughs> us now.
0: <laughs> oh, that's disturbing. That's awesome. And uh, most importantly, though, we're at, we have an Amazon affiliate. So we have a widget on the website that uh, Luke read out before um, where you can buy things through Amazon, cost you nothing extra, but we get a cut of the profits. So thank you very much for everybody who's been doing that. And uh, we very, very much appreciate it.
1: And it's Christmas, so get all of your Christmas presents that way. All of them.
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's too late like now, obviously, because there's only a couple of days to go before Christmas. But If you're buying late
1: Christmas presents, hopefully you all of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you may even get it delivered by a drone with a new drone thing. Actually, you won't, because
1: they're only meant to be 10 kilometres, but anyway. <laughs> Unless you're ordering within 10 kilometres of them. In well, which they, case, drone. In that case, drone. Yeah. <laughs> Think with the coolness. It's like a big
0: flying penis. It's weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our next episode will be our final episode for the year, uh, which will be uh, myself and Yumbo and in some lovely, uh, lovely clip show segment from Crystal.
1: <laughs> See all the clip things show. we've buggered up over the last twelve months That's in one hefty package. That's right. Well, it makes it swift. It's, no,
3: it's not a blooper reel. Yeah, <laughs> well, it it's, could be. Who knows? Just, just, just my best. Thought.
0: And then after that, we'll have our first episode for the new year, 2014, will be our best of, our beloved best of episodes. People seem to like those a lot, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. That's it from me and the crew. Richard. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Luke. Bah. Humbug, Mr. Waltrick. <laughs> and Crystal.
3: Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings.
0: Aww
1: lame. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye <laughs>